0: speaking of collusion, this issue of fully guaranteed contracts, the Deshaun Watson situation sparked we surprisingly had on the record comments from owners like Ravens owner Steve Bishotti, who clearly doesn't want to give his quarterback a fully guaranteed contract. When you hear that stuff, and it confirms your belief that there is some level of collusion because there's nothing that prevents any team or every team from doing fully guaranteed contracts is there something that effectively can be done to push back against this perception slash reality that they are colluding well you know sometimes mike and, and again you know this as a as a fellow lawyer sometimes your uh, <clears throat> your best evidence comes from uh, people who make um comments that look like they're careless but actually might be rooted in something factual uh i'm being a little bit cagey uh but um anytime we see what's been occurring in the market and we hear comments that validate those concerns as you know from the past we've we've never shied away from exercising uh, both our legal rights and our collective bargaining rights to protect our players. Um, and, and people shouldn't be surprised um, if something happens in the near future. That was October 18, and that was largely overlooked for one very important reason. Later that same day, Jim Ursay launched his Dan Snyder must-go crusade. The timeline is amazing, though, Chris, because that was the 18th. On the twentieth, Jeff Pash, the NFL's general counsel, sent a memo to all the teams regarding a collusion claim that had been filed. And I guess it was filed on the nineteenth. I don't know, because I didn't get the impression from Demora Smith that it had already been filed. Right. Two days later, it was filed and it targets this idea of teams not giving. Certain quarterbacks, that's the phrase used in Pasha's memo, certain quarterbacks fully guaranteed contracts. Now, this is going to be tough to prove. I think it's an uphill battle because you're perfectly allowed to make independent business decisions that all point to, we're not going to make a crazy-ass contractual commitment like the one the Browns did to Deshaun Watson. The question is, is there any coordination among the team's or through the league office. And we got down that path because I interviewed him on the day that the league was meeting. I called it the ownership meetings. He said, we call it the collusion meetings. Because think about this. Even though they can say we're making our decisions independently, they get together four times a year to talk shop. <laughs> what I mean, they, what other industry does a CEO of McDonald's and Burger King and Subway and Taco Bell and RB's Arby's and every other fast food restaurant get together to talk shop four times a year. It doesn't happen. They're bitter competitors. So that's the difference here. And the challenge is going to be finding someone who will say that they ordered the code red, that there was some sort of coordination among the teams, some sort of an unofficial message sent that we're not going to do these fully guaranteed contracts. No way, no how. Dig in your feet and say you're just not going to do it. This Browns thing is going to continue to be an aberration, not become the rule. The NFLPA's argument, Chris, is going to be that they decided after Watson to slam that door, not one at a time, but all at once.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, to the eyes, it looks like that. So, I mean, that's what it does look like. But I mean, collusion seems like it's going to be extremely hard. I feel like there's easier ways to prove collusion in the NFL than this one right here. Uh, you know, whether we go back to the uncapped salary year or colluding to not pay coaches a certain amount of money. Uh, There's some other instances too that I would go on as far as collusion, maybe being a part of the deal here. But like, this is one where, yo, yeah, where I believe that you know, this is league wide in the belief of the owners. I don't think this is one where they had to get together and be like, Hey, let's not give totally guaranteed contracts for $250 million out. I think that was one where they, they kind of knew and didn't want to do that to begin with, where you know that, that was always the goal of the owners is to not to give those type of contracts out. So, You know, this, the Deshaun Watson thing just put a spotlight on it and put a spotlight on it and the fact that we heard, you know, owners were disappointed that the Browns went that road down that road with a guy that, you know, is, is probably marked as one of the guys that's least deserving of that as far as some of the things he's done off the field. So that's where it was a bad look. I have a hard time believing that they're going to be able to prove this one this one seems a little far-fetched and i don't think it's one where the owners really had to get together to have conversations about this much i think it was kind of a business given as far as these guys business acumen and and just handing out money like that
0: your instincts are right on the money here and and let's take a step back so people understand what collusion means we've heard that word in different contexts over the past several years here's what it means You've got 32 completely independent businesses. There was a U.S. Supreme Court case called American Needle for more than a decade ago. It predated the 2011 lockout, and it was critical to the NFLPA because it stood for the proposition that these 32 businesses are not bound together through a trade organization as one entity. They are 32 separate businesses that are subject to the antitrust laws. That's the key. Because the collective bargaining agreement gives those 32 businesses the ability to come together through the federal labor laws. They have the ability to come together, even though they're independent businesses, and negotiate with one union to come up with rules that apply across all 32 businesses. That's how they get around having a salary cap. You need the CBA to have a legal salary cap. Without a CBA, without a union, Everything that we talk about, minimum salary, salary cap, franchise tag, it's all an antitrust violation. But through the CBA, they can do it. But it's only the rules of the CBA that apply. Anything in the CBA that that allows you to do a certain thing, well, why aren't you doing it? Why aren't you exceeding the salary cap in the uncapped year? Why aren't you doing fully guaranteed contracts when there's nothing in the CBA that prohibits it? Why aren't you giving a quarterback a percentage of the salary cap as his compensation to ensure that his contract is never obsolete? And so there's two issues here, Chris. One, can they prove that the code red was ordered? Can they get to text messages sent among owners, emails sent among owners, emails sent to the commissioner or other key employees of the league? I don't think they're gonna have that success. And you can't prove specific collusion without it. But your point, your instincts, and your instincts are are very good. The collusions baked into the system, the collusions hiding in plain sight. Right, right. It's just the way they do business. They don't need an agreement. The agreement's implied. This is just the way we do things. And see, it all happens through having these meetings four times a year, having a management council. It's always hovering over the trends and the developments. It's just been there for so long. It's hiding in plain sight. Of course, it's collusion. The whole system is premised on collusion. (laughs) They're all colluding. They're colluding on everything. You can't prove it on anything because they're doing it on everything.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's 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 they're 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 in it together in in all ways. And you're right. The meetings themselves and everything they do, you know, it it all leads them down the right direction of how to run their businesses and be on the same page in a lot of ways. And it might not be specific to colluding in one little area. I'm with you there. And and you know, again. Even with this situation here, yeah, I don't think there had to be a specific meeting as far as like, hey, we don't want to give out guaranteed contracts to guys, right? I mean, we, we know that. First off, these guys didn't become billionaires. That's not on the agenda. Right.
0: That's not on the agenda. Right. Yeah. <laughs> hey,
1: you know, it, it, it's it's one, it's where where I find it hard is it's not where these guys made billions of dollars. It's just giving away money for, for free here. And then two... You know, the other part of this collusion thing is just like, who is, I guess what I would argue, you know, where the NFL PA might not have a chance here, just like, who is really even deserving of guaranteed contracts anyways to think that there is enough talk and colluding to go on with this conversation? Yeah, it would only be the quarterbacks. That would be it. And you're not going to give them a guaranteed eight-year deal or something along that along those lines there. Uh, so that's where another reason I look at it to go, I, I have a hard time believing they're going to be
0: able to prove this aspect from the NFL. I think part of it, too, is going to be how the Cardinals pushed back against Kyler Murray to the extent that his agent Eric Burkhart tried to get a fully guaranteed contract And how the Broncos pushed back against Mark Rogers, Russell Wilson's agent, who I thought would get a fully guaranteed contract from the Walmart moguls. But you know what? They just showed up. The last thing they want to do is piss everybody off by doing what Jimmy Haslam did. And that's another key piece of the evidence. Chris, this is when my lawyer hat falls back onto my toupee and I start thinking of what would I want. I would want to know how the Browns were received at the league meetings in March, because I remember hearing, I remember seeing this idea that they were going to get the cold shoulder yeah. for the Deshaun Watson contract. I'd want to see the text messages among Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski, Jimmy Haslam, Paul DePodesta, where it was like, you know, I, I saw so-and-so, and boy, phew, man, you know, what he said to me, that kind of thing. You know, comparing notes on the experiences they were having, knowing full well that they may be walking into a mess here with all these other folks uh, upset with them. I, I think all the way back, Chris, to 2006, the Steve Hutchinson contract that the Vikings came up with, yeah. with the poison pill, it right. was based on the geographic the location of the money of where the and, games are going to be played. Yeah. It was, yeah. And, and they went to the league meeting that year, and the Vikings were persona non grata. They were in trouble. Everyone was pissed at them, and they decided no more of this. We're changing the rules. So I, I, I'm with you. We're so far gone in the way this business model operates. The collusion is just there in plain sight, and they're not going to be dumb enough to ever leave the breadcrumbs out for us to see, but they don't need to. They don't need to leave breadcrumbs. They know the way home, they know how to do this. And when every contract has to be approved by the league office, and when the teams are constantly talking to the league office, talking to the management council, talking t- to the people who are saying, Well, we're not so sure about that. How are you ever going to prove that? Hey, you know, we're thinking about fully guaranteed. Hey, what do you think about giving the quarterback a percentage of the salary cap? This conversation never happened, but that's probably not a good idea. So it's going to be tough to prove. It really is. And I keep going back to this because this is sparking some saying all of these contracts should be fully guaranteed. The players should collectively rise up and demand. We want fully guaranteed contracts. Folks, if that ever happens, if that ever happens, every contract for every veteran player is going to be one year, two years, three at the most. Mm Mm-hmm. You're not going to want money tied up in guys who may not earn it. And is that fair in a capped environment? Is it fair to the rest of the players in the locker room? Let's just say Lamar Jackson is the example. Let's say Lamar Jackson gets a fully guaranteed contract for five years at $50 million a year. Fully guaranteed. And let's say by next year he stinks. Let's say by next year he's injured and can't play again. Whatever the case may be. Every one of those dollars hits the cap. Every one of those dollars is one less dollars coming out of somebody else's pocket. That's the thing that people have to realize. Fully guaranteed contracts aren't the answer, and they're going to lead to unintended consequences at a minimum short-term deals because teams aren't going to want to make that commitment. And the worst-case scenario is a bunch of money tied up in guys who don't deserve it while the guys who are earning it aren't getting their fair share. That's not a good outcome either, Chris.
1: No, it, it definitely is not. It's, it's not the the outcome you want. And And honestly— the non-guaranteeing of the contracts and the salary cap and everything that is associated with the NFL is the reason the league is so great and competitive. Uh, it is. It's the it's the reason that it's, it's hard to tank. Teams can do their best to set up the tank, but like what you're talking about, a lot of the players are going, you know, my contract, yeah, I have another year, but they can cut me. I, I got to keep playing awesome here. So the camera and the, you know, the big eye in the sky has got me in, you know, the next team that sees and says, oh, wait, that guy wasn't tanking. He was playing awesome in that game. That's one of the aspects that makes the game awesome. It's one of the aspects that in week 17, when we have a team that's, you know, three and 12, playing a team that's, you know, 14 and three or 14 and two, that, It's a competitive football game because some of those guys with the non-guaranteed contracts and stuff are going, damn, I got to play good. Even though this game doesn't mean jack Diddley squat to our team or anything like that. And the big picture of things, it means something for me individually and the guy next to me individually. So, hey, let's play together and let's play good together here so we can get each other paid. It is one of the great aspects of the sport and and what makes it king of our country right now, at least in my opinion. So, yeah, I'm with you in the fact that I don't think guaranteed contracts are the way to go here as far as fully guaranteed for a long period of time. That's for sure.
0: The current system has resulted in a season that has seen 125 games, now 126. That was before the Chargers-Chiefs game Sunday night. So 126 games have been within one score in the fourth quarter, 72 games have been decided by six points or less. Both are records. The 72 games, six points or less. Ties 2016. The 126 games within one score in the fourth quarter is an all-time record through 11 weeks. That's what you get when you have a salary cap system that works. And the alternative is baseball. Nobody wants the NFL to go the way of baseball.
1: Or the alternative is like 80s and early 90s football, right? Where... We knew the five teams that were going to win the Super Bowl every year. We, I mean, we knew. And, and, and we saw a number of games through those years where those five, six teams, they would dominate half of football. And you just go, well, they're going to wipe the floor with this team this week. You know? It's not that way anymore. That's why we talk about matchup league now. It's where it's, hey, you got to be careful of how you organize your team and where you put your assets, and you're going to play a team every now and then that's going to put their assets in an area where you don't have your assets, and all of a sudden, whoa, this is a tough matchup for us. In the 80s, it didn't matter. The 49ers, they outspent everybody. Well, what matchup do you got for us? Oh, that's right. We got the advantage in every matchup. That's why I hated the 49ers. I hated them. You know, DeBartolo kept spending money and doing all that. They had no weakness of their football team. But, I mean, you know. And,
0: want... the, and they were in a division that they ran roughshod right, over. Right,
1: exactly. I mean, we knew that the Giants, the Bears, the 49ers, the Washington Redskins at the time, the Cowboys. I mean, it was going to be those five teams. I mean, that was it for a 15-year period right where finally okay Green Bay got into the mix and then the Denver Broncos broke through from the AFC but I don't think that's what everybody wants you know 55 to 10 Super Bowl 42 to 10 Super Bowl 39 to 20 Super Bowl 52 to 17 Super Bowl that's non salary cap you know type football and it's not as exciting as what we got right now
0: That's one of the reasons why the catch game was so impactful that was the changing of the guard from the period of time where it was Cowboys, Steelers, Dolphins, Raiders, Cowboys, Steelers, Dolphins, Raiders, right? That's that another period shift. Right. And then it, and, and then it became, then it became 49ers, 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 yeah, 49ers, right? But still. Yeah. You're right. That it's impossible. Look at what happened to the Cowboys in the early nineties, just as the salary cap was starting to take root. Teams would specifically target Cowboys players who were free agents just to break up the Cowboys. And it worked. Jimmy Johnson's team was broken up by the fact that others came in and started pilfering their, their key players. And then and that's where we are now. Any given team, any given Sunday can win. Any team can turn it around. And it's a product of the salary cap. And one of the reasons the salary cap works is these contracts for veteran players aren't fully guaranteed. You don't have guys out there who are either sitting at home because they're injured or they're sitting on the bench because they stink Taking all the money away that could otherwise go to other players who are going to help the cause of winning. So this whole, f- this entire concept of fully guaranteed contracts does not fit in football. It would have unintended consequences. The guys are getting paid. They're getting paid based upon what they do, and they need to use the rules in place while they're playing well to get paid. That's yeah, the key. That's right. Take I'm- a stand while you're playing well. We're seeing that, that fully more. Fully guaranteed contract right. is. It's going to pay you when you're no longer playing well and someone else is and that's going to create other problems. Definitely. That's that's my overriding that's point. That's right. I think you're right. Guaranteed deal, so.
1: And we see the good the good players in football and the guys that we know are good, you know, to your point, you know, they're getting 2 and 3 years guaranteed. You know, for the most part. Now it doesn't go beyond that and that's that's tough, but that's the way the sport is there and and again, you know, to to your point, you're right. The owners got to have a little protection and as a league, we want a little protection too. Because I don't want the guy in year 12 who's no good anymore making $25 million a year, taking up a huge chunk of the salary cap, going like, what? Why is this guy doing this? This makes no sense. Why is? Why are we paying him that? That's not good for the league either. So, uh, And we're seeing players take power back to your point, too, where they're starting to go, wait, I'm good right now. I don't give a damn if you don't like me and the fan base doesn't like me or whatever. I want to be paid. And... We saw that this offseason with, you know, hey, Devontae Adams took some matters into his own hand. Tyreek Hill did. Debo Samuel did. So we're seeing players kind of, you know, exercise their power in this situation a little bit more as uh, we go into this, this AJ new Brown, world. Deshaun Watson, Right, yeah. right. We don't right. want
0: hostages. We want volunteers. And we're seeing more and more teams do it. All right. We have uh... – we we have we have screwed up today's schedule by and i think it was a good conversation and they didn't force me to take a break but we need to take one now when we return a quick after further review from week 11 plus a new nickname is coin in the nfl we'll talk about those <laughs> next here on pft live around any corner within every battle and with the dawn of each new day the threat of the unexpected the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Snap back to Prescott, he's got a lot of time. Down the right side, oh it's tied at the
1: 45, 40, power, 20, 10, power, uncle, good night nurse. Oh, play action again, walking downfield, walks into your corner, Adams went over at the 5, he walks in, and the Raiders walk off with a win. Now man is out there for his 10th punt of the day for the Jets,
0: ran right, right down the sideline. Hump Day homers, week 11, always fun. And that last play, 3-3, headed to overtime, possibly a tie between the Jets and the Patriots because nobody's offense could do anything. The 86-yard punt return by Marcus Jones. Chris, that's our focal point for after further review today. At the very end of that play, and who knows whether it was even critical to the effort of marcus jones to get to the end zone who knows if justin hardy would have even gotten yeah right to marcus jones right but th- th- let's just appreciate the beauty of this cutting it inside getting past Braden man and then off he goes but it's right here there's mac wilson hitting justin hardy and putting him on the ground now okay oh boy with well, that angle makes it even worse that was a block in the back the, the NFL was very motivated to convince the world that it wasn't a block in the back, that the contact initiated from the side. And the league apparently thinks that if the contact initiates from the side, it's okay if it finishes with the back. That's the implication of this idea that it started on the side. That's what the league told me. It started, the contact started on the side. Well, here's where there's value in being a recovering lawyer. Because the rules of the game is the law of the game. And the law of the game explains what is and isn't an illegal block in the back. And my interpretation, just to not bore anyone any more than we already have with all the legal t- crap today, there's no way that that hit by Mac Wilson on Justin Hardy is not an illegal block in the back, the way it's defined in the rule book. And it says in multiple spots, if you push the guy in the back. If your hand is on the back, it's a block in the back and there's no exception for in the rule book. If the contact initiates on the side, it's permissible to then push him in the back. There's nothing in there to that effect. All I see in the rule book on this point is if you push him in the back, it's a block in the back. And look at it. He pushes him in the back. Doesn't matter where the contact starts, it finishes with him being shoved in the back and falling down face first, Chris. That was a block in the back. That should have been a penalty enforced from the 15. 25-yard line, 43-yard field goal. Oh, and Nick Folk had missed a 43 and a 44-yarder. That game quite possibly was headed to overtime if that flag was thrown, and it should have been.
1: Yeah, it, I mean, you're right. And First off, it was going to make it become a field goal by Nick Folk, who struggled a little bit on a windy day in, in, up in Foxborough, where we know you know passing the football was an issue too. Anything with the ball in the air was an issue. I mean, first thing is, is you just want to go, what a stupid block by Mac Wilson. That's the first thing you want to say. I don't think it's really had any effect on the play at all. The guy, you know, uh, 34 is hardy, right? Uh, he's... He's yes. He's losing his balance and is about to fall apart as a sprinter and a runner <laughs> as you know he's getting blocked. Look, he's like it's over. He's he can't keep can't keep up anymore. He's getting the the stride of like, oh gosh, I can't keep it. Like I'm losing it, right? So it was a horrible block. But to to your point and to anybody that's played football, like a clip has always been justified, peewee football, you know, high school, whatever you want to go through it, is right. Like the head being on the front side of the 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 guy you're blocking so if this is 34 running and mac wilson had his head here and now to your what you're explaining hit him more on the side because the head is in front well you know i don't know i went to science class a few times and usually when you got hit like that you (laughs) fall that way that's just, just 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 basic physics and then when you get hit in the back you tend to fall forward Because you've been hit in the back, directly back, and that makes you fall directly forward, which is exactly what happened here. Let alone the hand is on the back. Let alone the head never really crossed in front of the body. The head hit kind of the backside of the shoulder there. So it was, by letter of the law, it was a clip. You know, it's one of those where it's like, yeah, that should have been called. And at the same time, I'm kind of like, well, I'm glad it wasn't called because I don't think it really had any effect on the play. And it was stupid by Mac Wilson to make it happen. But if we're going to be over-officious on everything in the world, which we are right now in the NFL, then that should have been called. And the Patriots should have been kicking a a 47, 45-yard field goal, to your point, Mike.
0: You make a great point, though, as to Justin Hardy. He was that race car that had every piece flying off. Yeah, it started as he was trying to get apart. to the finish right. line. <laughs> right. he, he was not. He, he was, was not, not going to get Going to make that tackle. Yeah. But it's so close to the action. It's yes. not twenty yards behind the right. play. It's right there. Right. They just didn't see it. They just didn't see it. And and you know, this comes down to whether or not the NFL is going to pay the money to have. I don't want to say a minister of propaganda right? because I don't want it to be propaganda. I want it to be somebody who is transparent and honest. You need somebody who can admit when things need to be admitted, explain when things need to be explained, defend when things need to be defended. Somebody who is credible, somebody who is good on TV, somebody who is good on the air, who can go on radio shows and have this conversation. They never have that anymore. They rely on, as best I can tell, loading up someone else who already does that job for a living, somebody who's already on TV, and get them to spread the gospel on behalf of 345 Park Avenue. That doesn't work, okay? Dig in the couch cushions. Bring back Dean Blandino. Bring back Mike Pereira. You let those guys go because you were too cheap to pay them, especially Blandino. Blandino said it himself. I interviewed him a few years ago. Yeah, He said it as tactfully as he could. They don't value that position. That means they're too cheap to pay for what they need to pay for to have somebody who could have done. Now, maybe in that case, you say, well, m- maybe in that case, Dean Blandino goes on this show, every other show and says, well, you know, it really didn't affect the play. And things are happening very fast. Guys are running it down the field. Well, yeah, You just can't really process it. And look, hey, Justin Hardy wasn't going to catch him anyway, folks. Th- explain it the way you did. But still say at the end of the day the flag should have been thrown. Right, Instead right. of, well, that, was, that contact of, was initiated from yeah, the side. It was right. a proper block. Bull crap. Yeah.
1: Bull crap. Yeah. It, they're kind of trying to revise the rules around the, the public perception lately. Oh, you can't take the helmet off. So, but you cross the white line, you can take the helmet off. And, I mean, it's 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 not a good look. You're right. And that's where, but like, I mean, I don't know, Mike, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that's what Dean Blandino and Pereira did at one point. They'd go on a handful of radio things and stuff. It calmed the conversation down. It was like, oh, hey, the old wise man's in the room here. He's going to explain to us. And they weren't afraid to say that and make a mistake and say, hey, uh, yeah, we blew that call. That's one where I think if we get it again, we'd probably call it this way. That's what we did have. Now we have not nearly the same approach, not nearly the same voice from the NFL, and the NFL seems to be kind of, I don't know, making up stuff to kind of just change the public outcry for a few days and until they can get out of the woods in that conversation and that to me just you know leads to public uneasiness and seems not credible and then gets into the whole gambling thing again so that's uh, not a good look for the nfl hey
0: Al Riveron was the one who succeeded Dean Blandino. Al Riveron was not suited for that aspect of the job. He was not good at it. You have to be good at it. You have to be a natural at it. You have to have an instinct for it. You have to be able to communicate in a persuasive, informative, and credible way. And we used to get, once a week, the media would, a video where someone, Herrera, then Blandino, then Al Riveron, explaining— some of the key calls, the relevant ones, not these random "who gives a crap." And that's what it became. It became an exercise in random "who gives a crap." They would ignore some of the more controversial calls from time to time for no reason whatsoever. Just tell—I mean, it's what do you know? I get the only thing that pisses me off more. Well, see, no, I can't even get the word out right because I'm getting upset about it. I get pissed off when people treat me like I'm stupid. I, I'm not a genius. But don't act like I'm stupid. I'm not stupid, but I'm not a genius. Don't act like I'm stupid, because I feel like at times they think we're stupid, yeah, and they think we're just going to accept it, or we're just going to not dare disrupt things. Oh how dare how da- our, our allegiance and our loyalty is to the fans to help them understand what's going on, to help them get what they are paying for, to help and and to hold the whole process accountable to be better. The whole thing is about trying to make it better. We're not trying to tear it down and leave it in ruins. We're trying to make it better. And these are just suggestions, folks, uh, of things you may want to consider in an effort to make it better. Yeah. Anyway. Serenity now. Yeah. Turkey tomorrow. All right. Let's go to the next one. All right. The next one. <laughs> How about this? This came out of nowhere. This was unexpected. And, you know, for as boring as the Monday night game was, 38-10, to 10, blowout of the Cardinals by the 49ers, there's been some stuff in the aftermath that you can sink your teeth into yeah. a little bit. What you the hell going on saying, there? Guys weren't trying. And got it's John co- Hopkins and Kyler Murray. You got are a coach that got fired in Sean- Mexico
1: City. What the hell went on there? That's right. I mean, things got like, all of a sudden Arizona in Mexico city, right? Arizona became the best drama in football all of a sudden over this past weekend. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't count on getting the full story on the in season hard knocks either. Uh, and now, Charverius Ward, the 49ers defensive back, appearing on KNBR, this comes courtesy of NBC Sports Bay Area, said of DeAndre Hopkins, he thinks he's a tough guy. He thinks he's still one of the best receivers in the league, and he's really not. He was just yip-yapping all game, and we don't care about that. We just wanted to win. He was getting locked up. He was doing some dirty things. He tried to clip me. He grabbed me by the throat. He grabbed my face mask on one play, so I don't respect his game. That's steroid boy. Oh, man, look, I'm not up on the whole Marvel and D.C. universe of superheroes. I'm not aware of steroid boy, but I am now. <laughs> Traveris, yeah. Ward ends. Traveris Ward said it. And look, I know DeAndre Hopkins disputes the six-game suspension, and it was an inadvertent. They're always inadvertent. And nobody ever deliberately cheats when it comes to PED policy. What a coincidence. But uh, Traveris Ward, dubbing DeAndre Hopkins steroid boy. My only regret is they don't play again this year. Yeah, well, I know they play it, again this year, Have uh, they already played this year uh, they already. I'm getting I'm, this is the point in the year where I can't really remember. No, no. They I think they, they've already played twice. No,
1: they don't think they, they have did. another one. They got one more. I'm pretty sure they got one more. Oh, that's yeah. good.
0: Well, good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good. yeah. They play each other the My last game of the true. year. Uh, so week, good. week 18, we'll see that match up. And, you know, yeah. I mean, again, first off, we've seen a lot of players go through Arizona and be uh, get caught with performance enhancing drugs right I mean there's been a lot of connections there through the Arizona team one way or another yeah this guy might have gone to another team and got you know busted but he at one point was there in that area to where it makes you think that there's something or somebody in that you know area of of Arizona around that football team that's getting into these players and and doing this, whether it's Hopkins, you know, we saw, of course, Patrick Peterson. There's a few other guys that have been associated with that, right? uh so uh, there's some weird connections there that you can kind of go through and, and start to look at it but um Hopkins plays a physical brand of football he does I think he's chippy he pisses DBs off for lack of a better way to say it sorry London right and then you pull little antics like this right here that's gonna you know make people mad he got a personal foul for this he should again that's that's we don't need that in the game. We don't need it. Again, you know, I I watch I watch kids play football too much. Where they impersonate everything these guys are doing. Wow, you you got an extra three yards and 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 broke a tackle, making twenty million dollars a year. Holy crap! I mean, one
0: two well, have I'll to tell get you up what and do though. that. I tell you what though, yeah. That is lame. It that, is I mean, lame. It, it, I don't need but to I'm do not it. But that is lame to call that taunting. It's lame to call that taunting. You're, you're that is taunting something. You're going one guy couldn't get me, two guys couldn't get me. You know? That, yeah, but he's not up. He's not. There's no. There's no dangling man junk as somebody on this no, program. No, you're right. Once it's, explained it's not it, as it me.
1: Right, right. But I, I, I wasn't shocked that they called this as soon as I saw that. You're showing up two guys, right? I, I mean, that's that's they don't want that. So, I mean, again, We just saw A.J.
0: Brown get flagged for exactly that. We just saw A.J. Brown get flagged for exactly that. Exactly. Right? Right. We saw it a couple of weeks ago. Right. So, the lesson's out there. The information's out there. It's a failure of coaching or it's a failure of the players to understand, you know, not paying attention to what's out there. But you'd like to think that people who are really locked into what's happening in the league would see that. And at some point, it would come up, hey, guys, you know, that, there's another example of the things you, you should probably not do. You probably shouldn't point at the defender. They'll get you for that. Yeah. So, uh, and maybe he just didn't care. Sometimes I think guys get in a the moment, they just don't care. I know when I get in a moment, sometimes I don't care. You get in a moment sometimes and you don't care. Yeah, sure. And, uh, you know, we say things that cause problems for us later. Yeah. And in the moment, we didn't care.
1: Yeah, no. It, it's kind of like earlier in the it, program. It, it's, it's tough. Earlier in this segment, maybe. <laughs> it's tough with the the emotions of the game and, and all that. But, yeah, that that's what we know, that the league wants wiped yeah. out. And, You know, I mean, as far as steroid boy is concerned, he's going to have to hear that. That's what happens when, you know, you get looked at like that by the the rest of the league and get caught and get suspended for six games. People are going to throw that at you all the time now.
0: We got to take a break. We're going to throw the new power rankings at you. Spoiler Uh alert, the Vikings are not number one. Uh Uh-oh. More PFT Live right after this. Well, we start with the Dallas Cowboys throttling the Minnesota Vikings felt so bad for Mike Floria he was so reluctant to get roped into the Vikings he was the one that was like pump pump the brakes pump the brakes let's not let's not get too excited about this team they haven't beat anyone of note yet and then they come back and beat the Bills and he goes all in you know you could tell he was like finally they've arrived I think he was number what they had him number one the Vikings number one in his power
1: rankings he was like I'm all in (laughs) And then they now, now he'll give them the Ita- Italian vendetta. Yeah. And he'll drop them to like 12th in the rankings because he's yes. mad at them. He might be done with them forever now. This is an embarrassment no, to Mike Floria. No, he didn't Floria, give up on them by now, he ain't giving up on them.
0: Well done. Well done. Um, power rankings presented by Google Pixel. And the Vikings have lost some of their juice. They are not twelve. I did drop them to number eight, though. I probably should have dropped them lower. The Chiefs are number one. I think... I can't remember where they were number one. They probably were at some point. It was the Bills and it was the Eagles. Maybe the Chiefs hadn't been number one all year, but they are number one now. They get back up there. The Eagles at two. Cowboys jump to three. Dolphins go up to four without even playing. So I'm still waiting for two and on to find a way to complain about that one. The Bills jump four spots, getting their win. Ravens hold steady. Niners up three. Vikings at number eight, falling seven spots after getting blown out. I, I, I was thinking about putting them lower, Chris, but I didn't know how much lower I could put them because they are still eight and two. Yeah, that's right. They're, they're still eight and two. Eight and two. You
1: know,
0: had some impressive wins. We know that. I mean, again,
1: yeah, you look at them compared to the Giants. I, I'd, I, I'd, I I'd take Minnesota there. I understand your thought process there. You know, ahead of the Patriots right now. I'm, I, I, you yeah, know, you can't drop them too far. I get you there. I mean, again, there's still too many good things about them and what they've done this year. And yeah, it hasn't been dominant, but they find ways to win. You know. But let me let me ask you this: just at the top, you know, was there? How long did you think about that one? As far as just like who's number one? I'm I'm with you. I think the Chiefs are the best team in the in the game right now. Uh, You take just the last few weeks, but but did
0: you give some thought of still making the Eagles one? No, because and this is the old. College football poll mentality. The Chiefs were number two and the Eagles were number three. And the Chiefs beat the Chargers um in impressive fashion. Not that it was a blowout, but the Chargers are a pretty good team. The Colts gave the Eagles more than the Eagles uh could handle almost, and the Eagles had to pull a rabbit out of the hat to win that game. So I was comfortable just moving everybody up a spot and not jumping the Chiefs with the Eagles. So we'll see. There could be a week where you know, if the Chiefs struggle with the Rams on Sunday, the Rams fourteen and a half point underdogs, and I feel like it should be more than that. If they would struggle with the Rams with Bryce Perkins or John Wolford at quarterback, and the Eagles look really good on Sunday night against the Packers, then maybe they could jump them. But for now, Chiefs are number one, and 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 I really do think that the Chiefs are the best overall team right now in football. I think they would they would probably, if I if you know neutral site match up with any other team, I'd pick the Chiefs.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair to say for sure. Uh, any other like tough ones there in the top 10 to you that, you know, you kind of went back and forth with there as far as, you know, the the rankings? I got one that I do. I do want to pick your brain about, uh, but I just wanted to kind of hear your thought there. If there was one that you kind of went back and forth with.
0: Bills and Ravens, I struggled until I remembered that the Bills beat the Ravens, so that made it easy. Yeah. that's Because that's always the first line of defense, no matter when. it. I'm surprised people don't say, well, you know, last season, we haven't played this season, but last season, the Bills beat the Ravens, that should count. I mean, we haven't gotten that argument yet, but people are very obsessed with X beat Y, so X must always be ahead of Y, even if their records aren't the same. So um, that was one that I that I paused with. And, you know, I probably, now, if we're doing it, as a predictive tool, and it's not a predictive tool. If it's a truly predictive tool, the 49ers are higher than number seven. If it is a tool of figuring out who they would beat and who they would lose to, the 49ers would be number two or number three.
1: Well, that's where I don't understand. So why don't you make it that way? Why don't you make it that way if that's what you believe? Because
0: it's not a crystal ball. It's not a crystal ball. It's a snapshot. It's a combination of what's happened and what may happen but it's where we are right now. Okay. It is a cross section. It's right now. It's not it's not saying, you know, if I'm picking the teams I think that are most likely to win the Super Bowl, it's Chiefs then 49ers. But if that if I was doing that right now, right now it would be Chiefs and 49ers. But I know that 2 months from now everything's going to be different. So yeah. it's it's the assessment of where everyone is right now based upon what they've done to date. And there's no there's no formula for it. There's no mathematical model. It's all pasta and meatballs all right
1: well I got one bone to pick with you for sure I got one bone and I I hope this guy picks the bone with you and comes and physically threatens you one day how dare you disrespect the Tennessee Titans the way you are yeah before well I'm gonna get able to come up there to West Virginia and abuse you before you turn 60 because that's that's what we need to happen there I cannot believe you're making the seven and three titans The seven and three Titans, the number one seed from last year, the number 12 team in your power rankings. And let me just say this too on top of it. First off, that was a very impressive win last week up in Green Bay. I know Green Bay is not great, but it's still not easy to go up there and win. And have you ever seen a quarterback play better in a big game and then nobody talk about it more than Ryan Tannehill? It's almost hilarious. He makes unbelievable throws the whole game. I mean, every throw he made was like, whoa, perfect post route. Whoa, perfect ball where the guy is like three inches from it. And the next day we just start out and go, well, the Tennessee Titans. uh, Derrick Henry ran for 50 yards on 47 carries. Like nobody talks about Ryan Tannehill. He's constantly disrespected that way. And Tennessee's a little disrespected as well, as according to your rankings.
0: Well, they're disrespected by the betting lines every week, including yeah. this week. They're home underdogs again against a team with an inferior record, which is just stunning to me. Uh, who would you put them in front of? I know we got to take a break, but who would you put them in front of? I'm got- looking right at it. Where Would you put them in front? I mean, I can't drop the Seahawks when they didn't play. I hate dropping a team when they didn't play. I, I, I So I- they're stuck at 11. Well, I would so put where, him where in do you front of them? Do you put him ahead of the Giants?
1: That, the Giants beat them. Okay, that was a, that was 9 years ago. Who gives a crap about week 1? I mean, the teams the teams have changed. You know, that that doesn't mean anything. I would definitely put him in front of the Giants. I would. I'd go. probably put him go. in front of your damn Vikings Courtney too. Stan, we got to go. Yeah. <laughs> All
0: right. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens next Tuesday. Let's take a break. Uh we'll be back with more PFT live right after this. It's a Thanksgiving tradition like none other—the National Dog Show, presented by Purina. Thousands of dogs compete for the title of Best in Show. Thanksgiving, Noon Eastern, NBC and Peacock. Shake it off, Rusty, or whatever your name is. Wow, Here's I like some of it. The dogs. Yeah, cutes, cutie. Baxter. Look at that. Mike Miller. What's Stella, up? Stella. That's Wyatt's doggy niece. Oh, I've seen Rusty Rosco Roscoe Rosco before. EJ's yeah. dog. Roscoe, Roscoe looks like a badass. Rocket Coleman, that's L-
1: look at that. Kristen's, Kristen's got no control over that dog. You should see it. She did, Chuck, it runs her life. Chuck
0: King. Uh oh. Look at Chuck. that duo. Toto and Bentley. Wow. Yeah. Oh, uh, there's, there's the king of the Mason house. Doesn't look like that anymore. Yeah, yeah. Macy, Macy, uh, Macy's not as fluffy. And, uh, what's? Oh no, no. That's that's very disturbing. That is disturbing. That's very disturbing. All right. You look uh, scary. You look like okay. uh, you look yes. like
1: uh, Bigfoot right there. Actually, with like the little you know mustache there. That's what you looked like there. And Macy. You let Macy up okay, on the so furniture. You let her go on the couch and do all that.
0: Little, that's her little couch. That's her little couch. That's her own couch. man. You guys no, are rich. You're just it. buying Basically leather couches for your dog, huh? Man, you're rich. She wants Woo! can't hide money. As no, you, you can't. can't hide money. Yep. All right. Show me something. Week twelve. We usually do it on Friday with Peter King. It's very simple. It's not like anybody under. It's whatever you want it to be. You want to see somebody perform, whether in a good way, it's a bad way, they're under pressure, whatever it may be. Show me something. Week twelve. Chris, you're up. Well, I'm I'm gonna go to. You know, I, I really just want
1: to kind of pick like the Detroit Lions as a whole like show me something here on Thanksgiving show me you're real and can be a player in the NFC it's the first time in forever we're even putting you in the conversation for a team that could possibly do something you know marquee game national stage Thanksgiving Dan Campbell and company off a three game you know winning streak here i, I you know it's not even like uh, hey, win the game, sure, show me something. But keep it close and competitive, something we haven't necessarily had when Detroit's played some some good teams on Thanksgiving here. So I'm, I'm excited for this. This is a chance for them to, like, I think kind of show everybody, like, hey, we're not the laughing stock of football anymore. We're, like, we're a legit team that can be a pain in the butt for no matter who comes to town. So I'm going to kind of put it on the whole organization. I'm sorry, I don't mean to cop out. But it's one that just pops out to me, you know, more than others.
0: I'll see your put it on the whole organization, and I'm going to shift it just a little bit. This isn't show me something. Show my son something, Minnesota Vikings, because you <laughs> sure as hell didn't on Sunday. He made a long trip spending a lot of hard earned money, not his, but mine, but still. Sold it was his couch to get there. And. <laughs> and and it, <laughs> and uh, I'm going to take the Patriots plus the points to try to buy it back come Friday. But look, short week. All your fans—they were there. It was celebratory. It was louder than it had ever been. Somebody who worked with the team for years said it was louder than ever in that building. And then the game started, and it was a horrible day. Can you get that bad taste out of your mouth? Can you redeem yourself? Can you give all those fans who are there expecting a Thanksgiving night treat the first time the Vikings are hosting a game on Thanksgiving day? Can you do it? Will you do it? Will you make my son happy after breaking his poor little heart on Sunday? Show him something, Minnesota Vikings. Wow.
1: That'd be a good one. I might have to FaceTime you guys during that game on Thursday night just to, to get a little reaction there. Um, all right, I'm going to go to um, the team that you've disrespected in your power rankings, and I'm going to go to the quarterback here, Ryan Tannehill. Hey, this is the week. you know. Again, didn't get respect enough for the way he played last week against Green Bay, which was phenomenal. I mean, just high-level, high-degree-of-difficulty throws, and he made them look easy. But this is the game. It's the Cincinnati Bengals who are playing some good football, and Ryan Tannehill – And his existence right now with Tennessee is connected to the game last year in the divisional round where he threw three interceptions and was certainly the biggest reason why they lost that football game. And it's why, you know, we all think that they drafted Malik Willis and why we think Malik Willis is certainly there to kind of put Ryan Tannehill on notice. Like, hey, if you don't play really good, then we got somebody else here that's the future. So here's a big moment for him to kind of squash some of the narrative around him, not only for himself and then for the team itself. And I think this is a game here where if Tennessee wins this one, everybody goes, whoa, whoa wait, they beat the Bengals and they're eight and three. Are we sleeping on Tennessee? And I want to say, yes, you have been sleeping on them, but this is a big opportunity for him.
0: And again, they're one and a half point underdogs at home against the Bengals. Show me something, whoever the Jets starting quarterback is on Sunday against the Bears, that probably won't fit on the graphic. We don't know who it's going to be yet. Yeah, it's crazy. Robert Sala has already said he's looking at everything. Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco, Mike White, who knows? Whoever it is, Jets are still six and four. And they may be facing Trevor Simeon and the Chicago Bears, not Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears. Whoever has that job, this is an opportunity to take it and run with it down the stretch as the Jets try to make it to the postseason. So show me something, whoever the starting quarterback on Sunday for the New York Jets may be. Let's take a break. We'll do round three of the show me something draft for week 12 right after this. All right, those are the first two rounds for the Show Me Something draft for week twelve. Round three is upon us. Chris, you're up. Well, I'm
1: gonna go to I am a little I think I'm gonna go to, you know, I'm I'm kind of torn in between here, a few a few of these here, but I I think I'm gonna go to Justin Herbert and the Chargers here. Uh here here's coming off of two losses, uh losing to some good football teams where you, the Chargers played well. There's some things to look at them and go, hey. You know, there's some things that that played physical against the 49ers. I mean, the game was there to be had against the Chiefs. I mean, that's two of the better teams in football that we've discussed. So, you know, hopefully those don't demoralize them. But you got Arizona coming to town who, of course, is reeling and seems a little dysfunctional. Like, this is a game you can't slip up on. You got to win this football game, and you should win it somewhat convincingly right now. And, you know, you're playing a team that's – doesn't have much of a run game and is all about throwing the ball and that fits right into your your mold of what your defense is built to stop anyways. So, you know, Justin Herbert and the Chargers. You want to be talked about as a playoff team and a team that yeah, you dealt with some injuries, but you know, you got to overcome it. Then it's games like this. Don't fall asleep at the wheel. Put the Cardinals away.
0: The playoffs start Sunday night on NBC. Because the Packers have no margin for error. Yeah. I was 4-7. and seven. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers has said, we can win the final six games. I'll believe it when I see it. And it starts with going to Philadelphia and beating the Eagles. And there were two horrendous throws by Aaron Rodgers in the fourth quarter of Thursday night's loss to the Titans. He had Sammy Watkins wide ass open. Plenty of time to stand there and set up and throw and just missed him. And then Alan Lazard, the next drive on third and three, sailed it over his head got booed at home by Packers fans. If they're ever going to turn it around, it's Sunday night. And if they're going to turn it around, it's Aaron Rodgers making the throws that are there, unlike what we saw on Thursday night. Chris, enjoy your Thursday all day. Don't eat too much. Don't smoke too much. And don't bother me if the Vikings are losing to the Patriots. Oh, that's not going to happen.
1: Here we go, Patriots. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving.